theology, all things theology. We chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta get doxology to God hollow because this is how we do it at all things theology. Well, grace and peace, grace and peace, guys. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Theology, where I'm your host, K-Dub, and today, we're going to talk about yours truly. (laughs) Yes, Marcus Rogers. But before we do that, make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel if you're not, and always, guys, hit the notification bell so you can be aware when I drop content. Yes, we're going to be talking about Marcus Rogers, but more importantly, his view on him saying there are steps to get saved. Got to do all these steps, then salvation will be provided, apparently. But let me qualify this with a disclaimer, because I am sure there will be some uh, Marcus Rogerites, Rogerites, Marker Roger, Rogerins, <laughs> whatever you want to call them, follower Marcus, right? They'll come in and, oh, you're a hater, you're, look, we got to move past that simplicity, right? We deal with what I'm actually saying. Okay, you don't like me, that's fine. You don't have to. That's fine. You don't have to like me. But deal with what they're actually saying. So hope for those who listen and who want to provide a critique, if they're watching this video later or you're watching now, you disagree with what I'm saying. Hopefully you deal with the content and not just, oh, you're disagreeing with Marcus Rogers, so therefore you're wrong. We got to move past that, right? So, so yes, uh, Sister April says steps. Make sure you guys follow her, by the way. Subscribe to her podcast. Steps, yes. Didn't you know you have to do all these steps? Then God will, <laughs> you know, it's not by faith alone, I guess, you know, uh, you know, I mean, when the Bible say by grace through faith, apart from works, uh, all that stuff, you know, you thought was, hey, Marcus Rogers came to correct the Reformation and, you know, Ephesians 2, 8 and all these. <laughs> so, yes, we will be getting to into that. And so. You guys know how I like to do. I like to get right into the show. Let's let's start playing this and let's provide a critique. Uh, hope you guys are tuned in. Hopefully, you know you've had your lunch. <laughs> this might be a more lengthy podcast, but that's okay. We want to deal with the objections and hopefully, this will help you. You guys, you guys know how I like to say it. I I want to have my people who follow my program, my podcast, my show. I want them to think about it. Think about it. So that's what I'm going to do today. Hey, think about it. Now, I want to say this at the very beginning. You know, just pray about everything. Study for yourself. Seek God for yourself. I always encourage people, you know, don't take my word for it. And that'll probably be the only thing I agree with Marcus Rogers on this video. <laughs> hey, I I agree. Think, uh, study, uh, pray. Yeah. Uh, don't take your word for it. Hey, I think those are all great practical, uh, things to follow Marcus Rogers so now later in this video you're gonna mock people who are studious and you know you're gonna you're gonna mock those people but hey just right here right off the right off the jump you're right we need to study we should pray we should not take your word for it so great practical examples (laughs) study the bible for yourself Pray about it again and again, you know, seek God and the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. I- but this, this, I, I play that as well, because obviously I think he means something totally different. He means that kind of the, you know, if you've ever had a conversation with uh, uh, a proponent of Mormon, Mormon doctrine, uh, Mormonism. <laughs> I like this comment. It, it's funny. Even when you take his word for it and actually study, you're still wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but if you've ever talked to uh, uh, a, a proponent of Mormonism, right? Uh, if you ever talk to a Mormon, they kind of have this, this um, you know, doctrine as well. You know, hey, the reason why I concluded Mormonism is true, hey, I... I felt the spirit, right? What's their language? A burning in the bosom. Mark, Marcus Rogers has a very similar doctrine. This is why we can't be led by our feelings, but you're gonna, we're going to see later. Yes, yes, yes. My sister my sister April knows what's up. Yeah, they talk about the burning in the bosom. Yeah, that's right. She knows what's up. He has a similar doctrine. It's this, well, I felt a confirmation in my spirit. And <laughs> be careful when charismatics use uh, the spirit. It's... It's really them claiming their feelings, right? And so we're gonna, we're gonna, we're actually gonna show that. <laughs> you guys are gonna laugh at some of these clips because you're gonna be like, "Wow, that's literally opposite of what the Bible teaches." But this, like I said, uh, the video was uh, disclaimer. I did chop up some of the sections for brevity, but most of the video I'm actually playing. The, the video was like 25 minutes. I have 18 minutes worth of video, so I'm actually playing a great deal of what he's saying. Um, so yeah, I like to have Bible for everything that I do now, a lot of people, they might not agree with some things that I say or do, and that's fine. You know, the apostles didn't agree on everything, but one thing they cannot say about me is I have Bible for everything, everything. So he seems to think, well, if I can back it up with a Bible verse, if I could just use a Bible verse, then Hey, that should do you well. And you know what? This is actually a point I want to harp on just for a little bit because a lot of people are confused too with this point because I'll have objections to my videos like when I did the uh, Michael Todd video and guess what? I'm going to be doing one tomorrow so stick around for that. People are very confused because they're like, well, he used the Bible verse, right? He proved his point. He he gave a Bible verse. Well, that's not the issue. Any, any person can use a Bible verse. Satan used the Bible verse so I guess that means Satan is biblical. No, the issue is, are you using that Bible verse correctly? Not just if you're using a Bible verse. So hopefully, you know, we can get past the, well, hey, I, I use Bible for everything. Okay, so that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, do you use the Bible correctly for everything you teach? And we're going to demonstrate that to be uh, false. You see me do I got Bible for it. Now, some people might not like it, but when they actually sit down and talk to me, uh, you know, people, you know, they're like, man, you do have Bible verses for everything that you do. Now, uh, <laughs> this is funny. One, I, I actually disagree that he has, he has Bible verse for everything he does. He, he hasn't really provided a biblical example for why he gave false prophecy and how that lines up with the, with the test of a prophet is if they prophesy falsely, then you're not to believe them. But anyways, that's a whole nother point. <laughs> um, yes, BCV context, fam, right? We're not just BCV around here. <laughs> we BCVC, Bible chapter verse in context. Um, because we saw how he does with, um, and he's actually going to mention in this video, so stay tuned, about the pulling the snake out of the back. He tries to go to Mark 16 to demonstrate that, even though I clearly demonstrate it. Mark 16 isn't even in talking about that. Even want to grant uh, the textual variant there, which we'll get into deeper in a little bit. Yo, 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 my brother Joseph Jackson is in the building. What's going on? Yeah, Hebrew Israelites have verses for everything. They still wrong. So, like I said, this he 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 doesn't seem to be aware of like the issue. I 
because if this if if what he's saying is true, then Jesus should have just believed him, right? Shouldn't shouldn't Satan bought Bible verse, right? Shouldn't Jesus have? Some of you guys get what I'm saying here, right? But obviously, it's we have to use it in context. Ain't that right, Michael Williams? <laughs> uh, with this particular topic, all right, I want you to understand, I'm not saying, oh, somebody's going to hell or anything like that. But one thing I've noticed about this discussion is that I talk to a lot of religious folks when I've had these kind of debates. And, and Marcus Rogers is key for doing this, right? Whenever he wants to demean another person, right? You're religious. You're gummy bear Christianity, right? <laughs> All the language of he, he has to insult you, right? This these are demeaning. These are ways to demean your uh, objections to other to people who are objecting to you, right? Without actually dealing with what they're saying, right? Right? You oh these are the Pharisees. These are the religious people, right? Be careful with people who constantly use that language uh, to the people who are, who are objecting to what they're saying, rather than actually dealing with what they're saying. And allowing other people to come to the conclusion that they're Pharisees. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're, you're a religious folk if you don't agree with Marcus Rogers. <laughs> Y'all didn't know that? But yeah. Where, you, where it gets kind of funny is people usually take one verse, all right, and they make a whole doctrine off of that one verse. But you have to understand the Bible cannot contradict itself. That's literally you, bro. <laughs> so if there's a contradiction, all right, it's your interpretation. We go, we read all those verses. All right, so I, I didn't put that part in there because what he did was he read, uh, I believe, three verses. But the reason why I didn't put it in there is because he's actually going to break them down. So I said, hey, let's just allow him to break it down. So I believe the first, <laughs> I believe the first text he goes to is John three. So let's let's uh, let's let him say. And I didn't want to really stop. I wanted to just read it through and then break it down. In the very beginning, we read what um, when Nicodemus was talking to Jesus. And the bottom line is Jesus says, you cannot enter the kingdom if. Well, what happened here? Hold on, hold on. Stop. I wanted to just. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let me see something. Oh, boy. <laughs> what, I might, what I might actually have to do is uh, play this on his uh video because i don't think the file transferred over uh completely so a little a little setback a little setback for a comeback hold on let me go to his channel because he still has the video someone said why can't you hear the verses because i mean he's just reading the verses um hold on Now I'll actually have to play uh, more than I want it, but hey, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Just bear with me. Bear with me, good people. Let me pull. Let's see. Where Where is it at? Where is that video at? Oh, there we go. There we go. And when you correct Hold on a second. over and over again, you're going to see what Jesus said matches what Peter preached. Matches Sorry about this, everybody. This man. See, this is why you got to check. See, see, this is the, <laughs> that's the devil. <laughs> the devil coming in through the, you know, he, he don't want. <laughs> and the pattern just. All right, so hold on. Let me. The water and of the spirit. All right, hold on. Way back in Joel chapter two. Right. And with many other words that he. All right, one more. 
of the word as you cannot enter the kingdom if right. as well as we and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the right. lord we'll then prayed they him to tarry certain days here we go we read all those verses and i didn't want to really stop i wanted to just read it through and then all right so now now we're we're we're, we're on uh we're on point <laughs> we're on we're on point now all right we're on point. Blame the sound man. I am the sound man. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is at church, right? Anything goes wrong at church, everybody's in church like, just looking back at the sound people, right? <laughs> All right, we're ready. We're, we're, we're where we need to be. All right, so let's get it. Break it down. In the very beginning, we read what um, when Nicodemus was talking to Jesus. And the bottom line is Jesus says, you cannot enter the kingdom if you are not born of the water and of the spirit. So Acts 2, the very first message that Peter ever preaches, right? After they come out the upper room, he doesn't come out and say, hey, you guys got to sacrifice animals. Hey, you got to keep the old covenant. He says, listen, repent, be baptized, and ye shall receive the Holy Ghost. Look at the element that is in there. Repent. Well, you're not going to repent if you're not confessing that he's Lord because you don't feel the need to repent, right? So repenting is acknowledging, confessing that Jesus is Lord. Then he says to be... Well, I mean, yeah. So repentance literally means to to turn, right? Change your mind. And so even that definition... It, but I, I don't want to pick on some small, small... What he's going to John 3 is to show this. Uh. Oh wait, he he actually went to uh see he's he's actually combining text. He 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 he's going to like combine John 3 and Acts 2, but we'll we'll let him finish his point and I'll deal with the objection I have. Baptized and then he says you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is the same thing that we see in John 3 where it says, you know what? If you call on the name, the name of the Lord, you're going to be saved, born of the water and of the spirit. You see that same element here. They get baptized in water and then they are baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's actually not what we have in John 3. If you look at John 3, it's not commanding. It's not. <laughs> um, John 3 is something that the spirit does. It's not a command for us to do. It's just, it's Jesus is actually explaining how uh, salvation works. And what does he do? He says it's the work of the spirit. Essentially, what, uh, you know, this may make a lot of people mad, but saying what a lot of reformed people have said, salvation is of the Lord. So, so no. It's, it's not, a, if you, John 3 is something, again, John 3 is, is something the Spirit does in us. Not that we produce to make the Spirit do. You see, that's a big difference. If you just read the next verse, <laughs> yeah. See, it, you 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 put up a good point, uh, DeAndre. He's doing actually what he claimed other people are doing. Be careful of people who do that, right? Oh, all these people, man, they only read one verse and they move on to the next passage, bro. That's literally what you did. <laughs> that's literally what you did. But we'll we'll keep going. Baptized in water, baptized in the spirit, born of the water born of the spirit okay and he says this is the promise let me let me let me because a lot of people actually struggle with acts chapter 2 uh acts chapter 2 because because he wants he wants to talk about being born of the water and the spirit which that's john 3 okay and maybe that's what he's talking about 
But where does where does actually John three come from? John three actually comes from Ezekiel thirty six. A lot of commentators believe Jesus is referring to this passage, and I believe that's what he's talking about as well. And and Ezekiel is not talking about water baptism here. And I'll I'll prove that to you. He says, starting at verse twenty five, I will sprinkle clean water on you. Notice this is something God is doing. So therefore, it can't be water baptism because that's something we do, right? Or someone does onto you. So the sprinkling of clean water is something that God does. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. So when God sprinkles you with clean water, you're automatically clean from all clean uncleanliness. Does that happen at water baptism? No. I mean, you might get a little <laughs> uncleanness off you, but that's not what it's talking about here. It's obviously talking about spiritual because here's the next phrase. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from you, your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is this is John 3. <laughs> this is OT John 3, right? If you want to put a label on it. John 3 in the Old Testament. Right? Nothing about water baptism here. And Jesus isn't talking about water baptism. The reason why Jesus ridiculed uh, Nicodemus, he, he rebukes him, is because he didn't know about regeneration. Can you, can you imagine that? Right? You're supposed to be a teacher of God's law, and you don't know about the very means of how people are saved? Regeneration? Right? And so, but neither does Marcus Rogers. OG John 3, you like that? You like that? <laughs> We got the phrase, you got the, I would get that copyrighted. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. My sister's onto something. There's a lot of I will, I will, I will. Same thing in John 3. Same thing in John 3. It's the spirit. It's the spirit. The spirit doing this. The spirit doing this. It's the spirit working. And so in Acts 2, people are, a lot of people are confused because it says, um, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of forgiveness for the forgiveness of sins. And so a lot of people have taken that to mean, hey, Turn from all your sin and then get baptized. Then you will be saved. But is that what Acts 2 is saying? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, get the likes up. Get the likes up. Thank you, Sister Ashley. Um, is that what Acts 2 is saying? Let me actually contextualize something for you. Because in the, in the early church, baptism was so connected with salvation because it was an immediate thing when someone got saved. I mean, and that's what you have here in Acts <laughs> 2. Uh, what, what Peter is not saying is as long as you repent and be baptized, baptism is instrumental in your salvation. Baptism is the fruit of your salvation. And it was so connected to your salvation because it was something that the persecuted church did immediately and often once someone confessed their salvation. It was the immediate fruit. Think about it. Think about it logically. People are trying to kill Christians, and the very thing you do is show the outward sign of how you become a Christian. That is great fruit, right? Right? But but if look at verse forty one in that same passage. So those who received his word, so notice these people believed, were baptized, and they were added. 
that day about 3,000 souls. No one, yes, God's fancy girl, great. Yes, Jeremiah 31, right, uh, uh, sorry, Ezekiel 31, right there. It's, sorry, Ezekiel 36, sorry, <laughs> right there. No one has ever been saved by getting baptized. Peter makes that clear. Peter makes that clear um, about being, hold on, because a lot of people use this verse too. A lot of people like to use 1 Peter 3. Let me uh let me actually read all of it. See, this is why you actually have to read the Bible in context. The very thing that Marcus Rogers ridiculed people for that he isn't doing. After going about Noah, uh, Peter goes in to talk about baptism, which corresponded to the to the flood. Wow, amazing in itself. He said, "Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you." A lot of people stop there. A lot of people stop there, and they don't read. But listen, see, this is heresy. No one in the Old Testament was saved by grace. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. This is heresy. And I'm going to show that later. But stick around. You might learn something. Stick around. Peter says, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body. So he's not talking about physical water being poured on you. But as an appeal to God for good conscience. Notice, what's, notice what his baptism is signifying. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism points ultimately to the resurrection of Christ. And that's what saved us. That's what saved us. Not being dipped in water. Sorry. You guys know I like to preach. <laughs> that is unto you and all your children. It's for everybody. Go to Acts 19 we see the same elements of John 3 of which Jesus spoke. If you are not born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom. So Marcus Rogers reads his, his, his doctrine into John 3, tries to proof text Acts 2, goes to Acts 19 to where someone's getting baptized and think he's actually proved his theological position. See, you follow people's thoughts. Follow the train. Follow the train. I, let's let's show him try to exegete Acts 19. Spoiler alert, he does it. Paul says, hey, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? It's good that you believe. If you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. It doesn't say you are saved. You shall be saved, right? So confessing with... You, you hear that? Someone can confess with their mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and still not be saved. Let me, let me go back so you guys can hear that point. Which Jesus spoke. If you are not born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom. Paul says, hey, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? It's good that you believe. If you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. It doesn't say you are saved. You shall be saved, right? So confessing with... So he's actually mentioned the text. He's missing the point of the passage. So he's saying, hey, you confess... That's good. You you shall be saved in sometime in the future. But but here's the question, Marcus Rogers. How do unregenerate men void of the spirit confess Jesus is Lord? My Bible tells me that you can you can't even confess Jesus is Lord without the spirit. But in Marcus Rogers theology, you can. And obviously it's not speaking about a a uh, 
just saying the words Jesus is Lord. But that's a so when he says confession, it actually presupposes that's his, that's is coming from the heart. Right. So how do people say Jesus is Lord without the spirit? You can't, yeah. And just in case people, uh, I know it's in First Corinthians. Uh, sorry, this is how I I know like phrases of uh, verses, but I never let like, I know like the where it's at. First uh, Corinthians twelve. Let's see if that's it. Uh, yeah, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God has ever says Jesus curse. And no one can say Jesus is the Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Must be a work done in you. So it's all about the spirit, guys. And not, not uh, let me say, <laughs> let me clarify. Not, not Marcus Rogers, Holy Spirit. Put your mouth is the first step. It's like, hey, I'm drowning. Help me. They're gonna so there's steps to this. There's steps to this, and he's going to be more clear in a, in a bit. First step to get saved is um, confessing. But don't worry, you got a lot more to do. <laughs> this is it's it's the salvation recipe. Confess, get baptized, tongues, go to Marcus Rogers Church, support him, all this stuff, right? Then maybe you got a shot at it. Now, I would argue there's a recipe to salvation. And guess what the recipe is? Salvation is of the Lord. That's what it is. It's it's all a work of him. I contribute nothing to my salvation except the sin that made it necessary. Hashtag Jonathan Edwards. We don't contribute to our salvation. God has achieved my righteousness on my behalf. Guess what? Even the faith that I have is a gift from him. We're not drowning. Yes, sister, speak. We're not drowning. We're dead. You're, you're not disabled. You're dead. God breathed life into you. You want to use biblical examples? That's, that's straight from Ezekiel, the valley of dry bones. You're dead. You're not drowning. You, you don't need a little help. Sorry. Gonna throw you a rope and you gotta grab it, or even if they jump in and pull you out of the water, they're gonna say, Hey, don't shake, don't move, don't kick. So, confessing is the first step. And hold on, you know, people want to start arguing. I'm gonna break it down with Bible. I just want to show you the same pattern, the same element is all throughout uh, the New Testament. And so, uh, he said, He says, Have they received the Holy Ghost since they believe? And um, he preaches to them. He baptizes them in water and they all speak with tongues in Acts 19. So, uh, sorry for the ad coming up. Let me just pause that. <laughs> Good old pure flicks. <laughs> Good old pure flicks ruining my video. But yeah. yeah, yeah, let's get back into it. Let's get back. Baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Everybody in the room, same thing in Acts 10, same thing in Acts 19, the same pattern, same thing in Acts 2. Marcus Rogers seems to think, because all he showed in Acts 19 is people getting baptized. This is what you call, uh, you know, 
descriptive, right? Descriptive. <laughs> so, so not not fans of uh, <laughs> Pure Flix. Yeah, yeah, YouTube Premium. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what Marcus read was a descriptive passage. What is what do I mean? Descriptive versus prescriptive, right? Descriptive is it's just saying what happened. It's not actually telling you what you should do, right? Let me give you an example of descriptive versus prescriptive, right? Descriptive is Jesus walks on water. <laughs> it would be foolish for me to read that passage and say, hey, every Christian should walk on water or you're not saved. You want to be like Jesus? You better walk on water to get saved. That would be foolish. That would be foolish. Prescriptive is, you know, you must repent. You must, uh, you know, let's see, uh, go to church. <laughs> uh, all, all There are many, pretty much prescriptive is a command of God, right? Don't have any idols before you, right? All Pretty much a lot of the passages on sin, uh, we're telling you to turn from it, are prescriptive. Rather than, you know, just descriptive. And so Marcus Rogers has no distinction between those two, because if you if you don't distinguish between those things. Then you will be up in pretty bad waters. Right. You'll, you'll be in pretty bad waters. And many people have come into theological uh, uh, part in the pun here, bad waters, <laughs> because they haven't distinguished between prescriptive and descriptive when it comes to reading the text. You know, this was an atheism lacks a lot of times. They'll read an Old Testament passage and see Christianity so horrible because they're reading a passage where it's just telling what's happening, but it's not actually condoning what's happening. Right. Someone gets raped. Atheists love to read those passages and see like, see, this is Christianity. I was just telling you what happened. Anyways, hopefully that helps. The upper room. All right. Then uh, Peter, the, the same room. thing with the Gentiles, the same pattern, except they got filled with the Holy Ghost first. Then he baptized them. Let me read this comment. There was no grace in the Old Testament. Let me let, let, let that resonate. No grace in the Old Testament. No grace. No grace. A common used word for grace in the Bible, Old Testament. Is Hesed speaking of God's love, His favor, His kindness? <laughs> God's Hesed is all over the Old Testament. What are you talking about? With Abraham, Moses, with Israel. Yeah, Noah found favor. What do you mean? There's no grace in the Old Testament. That, that, that's silly. That's silly. Born of the water, born of the Spirit. Now, some people say, "Well, you're talking about works-based salvation." Yes, you are. You literally just told people, not only must they confess, they got to repent, meaning turn from all their sin. Well, your definition of repent, um, turn from all their sin, uh, which that's actually the fruit of repentance, not repentance in itself. But anyways, they got to confess, repent. What else? What else do you say? Get baptized. What do you say? Speaking in tongues. That's the, the recipe, right, for salvation in Marcus Rogers, right? And this is what I'm talking about, where people will take one verse, they'll misinterpret it, 
they'll create a whole doctrine. Then when you correct it, they get offended because the bro, that's literally you. You proof text all these points, read them, read, read your proof text interpretation into other passages, but you didn't prove your point. Reason they get offended is because, oh, well, that means maybe I'm wrong. Are you telling me my mom's wrong? Are you telling me my pastor of 30 years was teaching me wrong? Well, what does the Bible say? All right. Mark 16, 17. Now, this particular verse, it's so clear cut. But I think those other verses are clear cut, but people still be confused. And I've actually had people when I've had these debates, when I get to this verse, they say, well, this. I, I, I'll go back to that in a second. But but Uncle J.E. says grace for salvation. And I'm concluding. No. Grace for favor. Yes. <laughs> As if you can have salvation without favor. No, they were saved by grace in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, Paul tells us in Galatians that Abraham was preached the gospel to and it saved him. The gospel isn't a New Testament. Grace isn't a New, New Testament thing. They become realized in Christ in the New Testament, but it's not void of, uh, vo void of. It was typified. It was in pictures and shadows. The sacrificial system was gracious in that it pointed typologically to Jesus Christ. Showing them that unless someone atones for their sins, not the blood of bulls and goats, but an actual true Messiah, you cannot be saved. The ark was grace because you need to, the only way to be saved is you are covered in someone else. So many examples of the typology that points to the New Testament in the old that demonstrate God's grace. Man, that's a whole nother video for another time in understanding the Old Testament. Right? I remember when I first started reading my Bible, you know, I was kind of a, well, just New Testament only. Right? You want to see Jesus? Just look to the New Testament. Right? That's kind of how I was taught. Until I started, started reading my Bible better, and I first got introduced to the topic of Jesus in the Old Testament. I read a book called Jesus on Every Page. And it blew my mind because once I saw it, I couldn't I could not unsee it. Right. All these topics and concepts that are fleshed out in the New Testament are in picture forms and shadows in the Old Testament. There was grace in the Old Testament. What do you mean there was no grace? You can't be saved apart from grace. Here's the question. How could, because if what you're saying to be true, right? The opposite is they were saved by works, right? It's either grace or works. There's no middleman of this team. Grace or works. You're all grace or all works. Who could be saved by works? You have to have perfect righteousness to be made right with God. That's why it's by grace, because none of us can do it. Christ did it in our behalf. Jesus on every page sounds like a good book. Yes, check, get it out. Check it out. Great book I recommend. This verse technically doesn't belong in the Bible. Well, if that's the case, Hold debates, on. when I get to this verse, they say, well, this verse technically doesn't belong in the Bible. So he's talking about Mark, 6, Mark 16, the, the what's typically called the longer ending of Mark. Let me actually go there. Let me go to this passage. Uh, it's Mark 16, uh, 9 or 8 through 20. And so you see 
actually, if you just go, if, if you just do a little study on this passage, guys, look at what it says. Some of the earliest manuscripts do not include 9 through 20. Hmm. This is what's known as a textual variant, guys. And hey, you guys know how we do it here. I always want you to think about it. Think about it. Because people will use this passage to say, hey, well, see, look, the Bible ain't true because look at this. This wasn't in the earliest copies. Let me read what this says. Uh, some manuscripts end with the book 16.8. So this verse, according to, um, you know, scholars and history, is not actually in the earliest manuscript. So what, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, it's my persuasion that since it was not in the earliest uh, manuscripts, that Mark more than likely did not actually write this passage, that it was a... Uh, early church tradition a good story that many like that so many people included in the passage you have this with like uh first john 5 7 2 co the comma i can't pronounce it right now but the passage about uh the water the spirit the three three you know you know that passage right you have you have a few stories like this that were we don't have actually the earliest manuscripts right and so it is my position if it's not in the earliest manuscripts then the author did not write it, right? So I, I know this can make a lot of people uncomfortable. Like, you mean there's stuff in the Bible that, well, it's not a corruption in the sense of, um, you know, well, the Bible's false. No, absurd. It's, you know, we, we, we are transparent with, with the Bible, unlike other religions, Islam. <coughs> you know, we're transparent with our, our uh, manuscript history because we don't want you to be deceived you know you should know about this stuff so this is the passage which he believes is one of the more clear ones but i'm going to show you how he's not actually even consistent with this passage i'm gonna show you how he's <laughs> he's not even consistent with his own passage check it out let's let's get back to it well, if that's the case, why do we see that this works, uh, you know, every day? All right. So this is what you call pragmatism. Well, he's saying, well, it has to be original because it works. Let me uh, let me look up the definition of pragmatism for you. Pragmatic. Right. It's just to really dealing concerning with facts or actual occurrence is practical. Right. Hey, it works for me. It has to be true. That argument can work for every, any false cult in the world. Hey, having multiple wives works for me. This has to be in the Bible. You can use that for any argument. That's not how you're supposed to get to truth. That's not how you're supposed to get to what the Bible actually says. So let's keep going. He that believed, Mark 16 and 17, and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes, you confess, right? And is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Hold up. We see the same element of John 3, Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19. He that let, let me show you how he's actually not consistent with this passage. Look, look, look Check it out one more time. Because notice condemnation isn't followed in the condemnation that 
Marcus Rogers puts it in. He says, hey, you don't get baptized, you'll be condemned. It says, whoever, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then all these signs, you know, people, look, charismatics love these verses. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Those things don't follow Marcus Rogers. <laughs> I, oh, I know, I know. They like to, uh, you know, say they do, right? They like to say that it does, right? They're not healing the dead. But let's keep going. Let's, let's, because, because, because notice what verse 18 says. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any, po any poison, any deadly poison, sorry, <clears throat> it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Watch what he does with this verse, right? <laughs> Everything else is physical. Watch what he does with this verse. That believes, all right, you confess, you repent. He that is baptized shall be saved. And you're going to speak in tongues. We see that same element. Now, some people say, well, you, you don't take up snakes and you, you know, but that's not what it means. It's pretty much saying that if you believe you're going to be protected, you're going to be covered, you, you know, drink something unknowingly, somebody tried to poison you uh, in the spirit. You know, we see John talking about he saw scorpions and th just different things like that. Some, it's not meaning a literal snake like, hey, let me go hold a snake up. All right. If you know anything about deliverance ministry. So it's not actually talking about a literal snake. So he spiritualizes this when it doesn't fit what he says. <laughs> like you guys remember the uh, Marcus Rogers video where he uh, what he did with the um, what he called the snake out of the woman's back and he tried to use this passage to say this was proof of it. That's silly. That's silly. So he tries to sp he spiritualizes the text when it doesn't fit what he's saying. Everything else, fourteen on, fourteen to seventeen, is physical, but verse eighteen is spiritual because hey, it don't actually fit what I'm saying. And even his own interpretation doesn't fit. <laughs> even his own interpretation doesn't fit because believers still die. You can, Guess what? If you drink something poisonous, it will kill you. <laughs> yes, it says with your hands. <laughs> so it's clearly physical. Clearly physical. The apostles died. They were martyred. How come this didn't work? Verse worked for them, apparently. If what Marcus Rogers is saying, <laughs> yeah, these spiritual hands, <laughs> spiritual drink, <laughs> spiritual sickness, spiritual, like, where, where do you draw the line, Marcus Rogers? But that's his theology. You know about the Python spirit, Leviathan, and things like that. All right, so notice what? all of these verses, let's just establish. What? Nobody can deny we see the same three Bro, actions what are you talking about, every man? single time. Confession repentance all right water and what 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 marcus rogers does is he 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 sees baptism and he thinks it's proving his point hold on a second he sees baptism and he thinks oh well it's proving my point because that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about baptism although you're talking about getting saved by baptism so therefore it must be talking about what i'm talking about so now how you do bible marcus rogers need to get that uh premium <laughs> Hold on. Three, you must be born of the water and of the spirit or you will not enter the kingdom. And he never proved how water means water baptism. But I showed how Jesus is alluding back to Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. He, 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 he assumes his position and reads it into the text. Bottom line, I've seen people Bottom argue line. that water baptism just means that you have you're born of the water. Like I've seen the craziest stuff.
But we see Peter and Paul were baptizing, commanding people to get baptized in water, and they were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, notice, if you don't believe, you will not receive. Yes, but notice, it never says, if you don't get baptized, you won't receive, which is what you teach. <laughs> if you believe it, you'll receive it. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. Believe what? The word of God, right? So here's where we go. The gospel, but, but, but listen to this, y'all. Listen to this. Here's where it gets tricky, right? People say you're preaching a works-based salvation. You are. Matter of fact, he's never going to deny he does. <laughs> listen to him. He never denies. Matter of fact, he's going to actually double down and kind of say, well, yeah, I am. Listen to this. They say we're saved by, you know, grace and, and faith alone. Uh, but here's the thing. What is faith? Romans 10, 7. So then faith. So let me stop there. He says some people say we're saved by grace through faith alone. <laughs> yes. You know, apart from works. He's actually denying that. Watch, watch what he says. Watch his objection to people saying salvation is by grace through faith alone, apart from works. Watch this. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So faith is not just based upon, oh, I, I just believe whatever I want to believe. Like, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus, but I'm still out here twerking and dancing and, you know, like all these celebrities. Right? The Bible says even the devils believe and tremble. So... He's actually confusing something which a lot of other works-based salvation people do as well. So, oh, okay. So since salvation produced works, then those works got to be a part of your salvation. No, they don't. We're saved by faith. True faith produces works. But tr uh, the works that the person of true faith produces don't uh, justify you. He's actually missing the, missing the point of the Bible. The Bible says we're not saved by, by works. But the Bible does say a person with true faith produces their works. The works don't justify you. If that's the case, then no one would be saved. So it's like, yeah, it's cool that you believe. Paul in Acts 19, it's cool that you believe, but have you received this Holy Ghost? All right. So faith isn't just based off whatever you think. Like, oh, I, I just believe for a new house. Does it line up with the word of God? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So James 2, 14, what does it profit my brethren though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and you say to him, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, now with sin, and you give them not those things which they are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. So if you just say, I got faith, I believe Jesus, but there's no works, it's dead. It means nothing because faith comes by the word. So real faith is going to produce works. Yes, Marcus. Only antinomians deny that. Yes. But you're saying something far greater. You're, you're not only say true faith produces works, but they actually contribute to your salvation, which is heretical. Yes, my brother DeAndre, man, shout out to the theology here. <laughs> He's conflating salvation with sanctification, which is the very mistake Roman Catholics do. You know, to be so hateful of, or, you know, I want to use that word to be fair, to be so critical and rightly so oftentimes of Roman Catholics, Marcus Rogers has the same gospel as them. The irony. The irony. 
So if Jesus is saying you must be born of the water and of the spirit, all right, that's his word, then that's what I'm supposed to believe. And if it's real faith, I'm going to do what I see in the word. I'm going to obey what I see in the scripture. That's much different than what you were just arguing. Yes, we should obey everything found in God's word that he commands for us to do. But the issue is, do those things actually justify us? Or is it what the Bible says? We're saved by faith apart from our works. Romans 3, 28, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I mean, Ephesians, let me, let me, matter of fact, let me go to that passage because it, it, it provides the perfect balance for antinomians and works-based salvation people. Right? Start at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Oh, notice it's past tense. Remember, remember Marcus Rogers earlier said, uh, this is... Uh, you shall be, it was like future. <laughs> well, this says you have been. Right? It says you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Now, you have a decision to make grammatically to do with the this. What is this talking about? Well, not to get too, um, um, you know, deep in this, but the this is in the neuter. So I believe it's in, when, it, when it comes to the Greek grammar is referring to all of it, that is, the grace, the salvation, the faith, none of that was of our doing. None of that is of our doing. It is the gift of God. Same thing there. What is the it? All of it. Not a result of works. You didn't earn your salvation because of what you did. So that no one may boast. If it was by works, Marcus Rogers, you could boast. Even if it was just a little bit, you could have a little boasting. So salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the scriptures alone, to the glory of God alone. So leave it all alone. <laughs> For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared hand that we should walk in them. So no, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and the true believers who've been saved walk According to that. Since if we die like that, we can lose our salvation. Well, if you die like that, you were never saved. First John 2 19 tells us that. If those leave from us, they were never with us. And many passages like that. You can't lose your salvation. It's something God does. We can't you can, no one can pluck us from our hands, the Bible says. No one. You, you can't be plucked out of God's hands. Someone say, well, what if you go on just living a, 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 a sinful life and you reject God? Well, then you were never saved. We'll continue. We'll continue. So if I don't obey what I see in the scripture, then that faith is dead. All right. In the beginning, John chapter one was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then you look down, it says the word became flesh. God is is his word uh no god is not his word um god why do i care so much what uh, people think sorry all these pure flicks <laughs> uh god is not his word his word reveals who god is but god is not his word i mean that that's quite silly to say i mean I, we know who god is through his word but God isn't literally pages on paper. 
So I, I, Marcus Rogers has some extreme weird theology, though. I, I'll just say that. I mean, the Bible is his word. The problem is everybody is a Christian until it gets biblical. So they say, oh, you just have to believe. You just have to say this little sinner's prayer. That's, you know, I'm not against, you know, people want to say the sinner's prayer. Let me say this. I'm not for a sinner's prayer either. You can't conjole someone to get saved. That's actually putting a formula in it as well. Repeat after me, you're going to get saved? No, just do what the Bible says. But that's just the first step. That's just the confession part. First That's step. just the repentance part. You haven't been born again. He says, if you're not born again, you cannot enter the kingdom. And we see the recipe so clear in the Bible. Yeah, the recipe. There's a recipe for salvation. It's a, you know, hold on. Wait, wait a second. Let me, <laughs> I need a chef hat. You got a little, little grace, faith, confession. What, what else? What else? Uh, <laughs> baptism. Uh uh, speaking in tongues, mix it up, make sure it's stirred right. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess I guess Jesus Christ somewhere in there. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I didn't mention that. My bad. Sorry. Uh, almost made this steak well done. <laughs> what am I cooking? I don't know. <laughs> almost made this salvation. You know, <laughs> most missed an important ingredient. No, that's not salvation. Salvation don't have a recipe of all the things you must do to get saved. Like I said, if there is a recipe, it's all it's all grace. It's all what God has done. <laughs> so it's chemical X. Yeah, that ain't no that ain't no food, man. This man's making a bomb. <laughs> Jesus said, "You must be born of the water and of the Spirit." Peter said, "Repent, be baptized, born of the water, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit." We see the same thing in Acts nineteen. We see the same thing in Acts ten. They confess, they hear the word, they respond to the word. They say, okay, I heard the preaching. God is real. See, this is like, this is the problem of, let me answer the question. So do you believe that we have to repent? Yes. Yes, of course. But I believe uh, God grants repentance. Chef Marcus with the pot, man. <laughs> Chef Curry over here. Uh Hold on, let me go back. He said something I want to respond to. Acts 10. They confess, they hear the word. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember my point. Yes, yeah, exactly. Best. Repentance is a gift. Amen. This is the problem of not understanding prescriptive versus descriptive. Because you read a verse and say, oh, well, since they done it, that means I got to do it to be saved. So guess what? Here's here's. Let me show you a problematic uh, preaching that could result from that outcome. Right? The early church sold everything they had to be saved to uh and right sorry the early church in acts sold everything they did sold everything they had to be together right in one community you know what would be a problematic uh teaching that could come out of that it's the same thing he's teaching well he sees it well in order to be saved you got to you got to sell everything just like the look, look look they did it that's problematic yes they got baptized but nowhere does scripture say get baptized to get justified. None of that. So you gotta you gotta learn how to read your Bibles correctly. Word, they respond to the word, they say, Okay, I heard the preaching. God is real. Let me get baptized. Let me get filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me get born of the water. Let me get born of the spirit. And I just don't understand. People will argue and people will probably make, you know, um 
arguments about this video say, oh, he's a false teacher. I'm a false teacher because what? I'm telling you to get baptized in the spirit. I'm telling you to get baptized in the water. I'm telling you to repent. No, you're saying we need to get baptized to get saved, to get justified before God. That's the issue. He thinks if he can show you somebody doing it in the Bible, then he's he's off the hook. What I preach, I want you to understand what I preach when people ask me is what Peter preached. Let me, uh, so do you believe that God also gave us free will? And yes, free will is also a gift. Well, the Bible doesn't say that, but the Bible literally says repentance is a gift. I don't know what has to do with what I said. God grants repentance. That's what the Bible says. Do you believe that? Or you believe repentance is mustered up by your, by your, by your great omnipotent free will? Man in his rebellion will never choose God. That's why it takes the spirit of God to draw you. And guess what? When you're drawn, you'll be raised up. That's what John 6 says. Word for word, Paul. When somebody comes to me and says, man, what do I got to do to be saved? I said, repent, be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So if you're going to call me a false teacher for preaching that, that's absolutely ridiculous because that's what they did in the Bible. Nowhere do you see them leading people in a sinner's prayer. Well, now he's shifting the goalposts. But the issue isn't what they said, but what they meant. You, you, you got to do a little better than that. Because, like I said, the, the, the works, they love, they love going to James 2. See, it says this. Okay, it says that, but what does it mean? So, yeah, so saying what the apostles said and <laughs> uh, going with what they meant uh, is a different. Through free will comes repentance. Show me that in the Bible. I hear through Bible that repentance comes through God. God's will. Not my will, God's will. Religion taught you to do that. Here you go. And so when I come with Bible, it upsets people's religion because now pride is involved. Well, if we've been doing it this way this whole time, and now you're telling me, well, that's not, it's not. It says to confess. It says to repent. Now, somebody, they came up with the idea, say, hey, I'm going to make this sinner's prayer. I'm going to lead people because they don't know how to pray. But no, he, he's just shifting the goalposts, right? This is this is what you call in like debate. And like you see this a lot in debates and arguments, right? They shift the goalposts to attack something that's easy. This is like a red herring, right? Because notice the first video was how do you get saved? And is it by, remember, he even objected, right? Through grace alone, faith alone. Then he shifts to the sinner's prayer. Well, it's easy to defeat that one, right? We know the sinner's prayer isn't biblical, <laughs> right? So he shifts the argument there as opposed to is salvation by grace alone through faith alone. You're attacking something easy that isn't even the center of the debate. But understand this is when you confess, you shall be saved. Now, if it said if you confess you are saved, that would be completely different. But it says you shall be saved because that's the first. All right, let me, let me, he said, if it said they are saved, it would be different. All right, all right, well, ask and you shall receive, Marcus Rogers. <laughs> um, but notice this, Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, what does justified mean? It means being made right with God. It means having the, the, the perfect righteousness of Christ. Notice it's past tense. We have been justified by faith. Now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Currently. <laughs> there you go, Marcus Rogers. Real simple.
first step. I'm confessing. I'm acknowledging God. I need you. I'm a sinner. Now that I've acknowledged that I'm repenting. Yes, you're right. Repentance comes from God because free will came from God. Okay. Well, you have yet to establish that, but notice what you're saying. My repentance, how I change my own mind comes from me, not God primarily. Be careful. Repenting, and when I repent, now I have the legal access to get. Guess what? Uh, be uh, washed of my sins for the remission. For the here's the thing that really trips me out when people argue about this. The language is clear. I seen somebody make a video recently, and they used a different version of Acts two thirty eight because they didn't want to use the word remission. But he says, you're being baptized for the remission. So you're not just going down in the water to go down to the water and, and, and just, it's no big deal. Peter says, hey, you're baptized for the remission of sins. It's washing away your sins because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, let's get into. Now, we read in 1 Peter 3, 21, that that's not true. That's not true. Peter explicitly says baptism, which corresponds to this. And here's how we know we're talking about a spiritual baptism, because he says not the removal of dirt from the body. Water, water baptism will remove dirt from you <laughs> if you're dirty, right? You know, maybe not all of it, but it will remove dirt from you. So he says baptism, which corresponds to this as an appeal for a good conscience through the resurrection of Christ. That's what saves you. And he's pointing to the typological baptism. The typological baptism, the spiritual baptism, baptism. I've had no one actually provide a good argument for that who believes water baptism actually saves you. No one. Marcus Rogers theology contradicts scripture. To this other part, right? Some of the arguments that people are going to make about this video. All right, so he's going to provide a rebuttal. He's going to provide a rebuttal, guys. Listen to this one of the rebuttals he provides. <laughs> The arguments you're going to see in the comments, the rebuttal videos and things, I just want to address it. So people say the thief on the cross, he wasn't baptized. The thief on the cross was under the old covenant. This is why when... Okay, so, right, many people say, okay, well, if what you're saying is true, then how was the thief on the cross baptized, right? Because Or saved. Because he, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. He couldn't, literally. He could have gotten off that cross to get baptized. Here's his argument. Peter came out of the upper room. He didn't preach nothing about sacrificing animals or none of that stuff. He said, repent, be baptized, uh, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. The thief on the cross, Jesus had not died and resurrected yet. So he was still under the old covenant where the sacrifice of the animal was atoning for the sins. And Jesus was that ultimate sacrifice. That's why he was able to be saved at the cross. Do you guys hear a problem with that? You guys hear a problem with that? What he says, the reason why the thief on the cross could not be saved or right. Baptism didn't save the thief on the cross was because he's in the old covenant and bloods, the bull of, blood of bulls and goats was atoning for his sins. Someone should read the Bible. Someone should read Hebrews chapter 10. I'm glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, I thought I had it up here. Oh, there we go. See, I had it already ready. What, what does this say? 
For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Huh. This was taught in the Old Testament. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you prepare for me, and burnt offerings and and burnt offerings and sin uh, sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, "Behold, I have come to do your will, O God." As a written me, so clearly, <laughs> it was not by the blood blood of bulls and goats. It was always in the uh, by Jesus' death and resurrection. How is he going to say that his sins was being atoned for in the old covenant by when the book of Hebrews tells us it's impossible for that to take away sins? What that act did was point to the resurrection of Christ by faith. That that's I mean this is Bible one on one. This can never take away sins. Verse 11, look at it. Won't you look at it? <laughs> and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And I'm going to have to use this verse uh, maybe tomorrow because you, you'll see why tomorrow if you watch my video. <laughs> but I'll save it for then. It's always been in Christ. <sighs> that that's frustrating. That's frustrating. The other argument, people say tongues isn't for everyone. Well, we clearly see here in every example, right? Acts 19, Acts 10, Acts 8, Acts 2, everybody's speaking in tongues. I'm going to give you the same thing. People go to Corinthians and they take one verse and they make a whole doctrine about it. And then it's contradicting these other verses because they'll say, okay. No, it's it's not contradicting those other verses. It's contradicting you. Because the first Corinthians passage is clear. Not everyone speaks in tongues. He recognizes that. He has no argument against it. Or it actually says, do not all speak do do not all speak in tongues. And the answer is followed by a negative because of the preceding questions in that passage. He recognizes that. He just don't have an answer to it. So therefore, oh well, you can't isolate that passage and No, you've read into those other passages. None of those texts said you have to speak in tongues to be saved. None of them, but you've read into, you read your theology into that passage, and therefore it's created a contradiction with the verse you can't answer. On Acts two, they were speaking in tongues, but it was so that the people from the other nations could hear, uh, you know, in their own language. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about? Yeah, yeah. That's very clear. Acts two, other other, uh, they speak in tongues, and other people heard the gospel in their own native tongue. He doesn't even object to that. All these other places, when Paul went to the people's house, when um, Peter went to the uh, the soldier's house, everybody was speaking in tongues in the house. There was there was no other people from other nations. See, this is the descriptive passage. Remember I talked about prescriptive versus descriptive? Well, he says, well, hey, they spoke in tongues here. They must have had to do it to be saved. Reading into the text. Nations there. And then also people say, well, you're not supposed to speak in tongues publicly without interpreter. They don't understand the difference between being baptized with the evidence of speaking in tongues, which we see in Acts 2, Acts 19, Acts 10, and the gift of tongues, which requires interpretation. It's two completely different things. I don't want to dive all deep into that because I've made videos about it before, but I'll give you examples. What? So 1 Corinthians 14, right? 
Bro, what are you talking about, man? They spoke in tongues that were speaking a language to the man, to the people. It says right here, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God. What do you want? The good old, good old ads, good old ads. <laughs> when I speak in tongues, I'm speaking to God. So they take the bottom of 1 Corinthians, they make a whole doctrine about it, and they just ignore verses <laughs> like this. That means your interpretation. That's literally what you're doing, Marcus Rogers. And and your 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 theology can't answer that text about not all speaking in tongues. You clearly can't. That's why you got to do the what aboutism. Well, what about this passage over here? What about? Interpretation is wrong. He's clearly saying when I speak in tongues, it's between me and God. I don't need an interpreter to speak what I'm speaking to God. He says, no man understandeth him, how be it in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. The Holy Spirit is interceding on my behalf with groanings and utterings that cannot be understood. Jude, Jude 1. Now, they take that, so because oh, I'm a former charismatic, right? They take that groanings and, uh, let me go to that passage because it's in Romans 8. I know, I know these texts they use because, like I said, I'm a former charismatic. Um, and I know how they take these passages, right? For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together uh, in the pains of the childbirth until now. Um, and then verse 26, Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And so they, now, this may shock my non-charismatic friends. <laughs> this may cut, uh, but they take that as well. This is speaking in tongues. Just it, it's the spirit doing this in us. But you know, that's Marcus Rogers for you. Twenty, but ye beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And so, Jew one twenty. Like I said, I, I know that passage too because this was used too in my former charismatic days. Praying in the Holy Spirit. See? Speaking in tongues. <laughs> no. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'll address this comment in a second. But praying in the Holy Spirit essentially means to pray according to his will. You know? Not pray in an unknown tongue. Let me address this. I agree with you, Kata. Uh, when it comes to being robots, I don't agree. God did not create robots, but he made us... With a sense of choice. I never said anything about robots, so I don't know <laughs> where that objection is even coming from. I don't know how God granting us repentance means we're robots. I don't get that objection. Praise God that God grants me salvation. He's telling you, when I speak in an unknown tongue, I'm speaking not to men, but to God. Jude 1.20 saying, pray in the Holy Ghost. When I don't know, I don't always know what to pray for. I pray in the Holy Ghost. If you don't know what to pray for, then pray for something you do know to pray for. <laughs> like, why? I don't. I don't. Why is when you don't know what to pray for, you just blab this unknown language? Or I mean, maybe it's okay to not pray if you don't know what else to pray for. I mean, maybe I'm just being too practical. Now here's where it gets scary. The reason why I'm so steadfast on this, right? You're a false teacher is because of verses like this. 2 Timothy 3, 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For these are the sort which creep into houses, lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. So these. So I think it's funny he uses this verse because in the beginning he says, he says, hey, I'm not trying to say nobody's not saved. 
And then he reads a verse <laughs> where it's talking about false teachers, which, funny enough, oddly enough, uh, is actually talking about Marcus Rogers. It's just funny. If you don't believe speaking in tongues, then 2 Timothy 3, 5, that's talking about you. Even though the passage never says anything about that. But, again, proof texting. And I get it. Your, your followers won't actually go to this text and say, is that what I was talking about? They, 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 they won't do this. Think about it. They won't think about it. You know, they'll just trust you even though you... Why you always lying? Even though you're always lying on God's word, you know, but hey. These people are ever learning. They know all this Bible. They can break down Hebrew, Greek, all this religious, you know, uh, stuff. They, they... So, so learning Hebrew, Greek, that's, that's all religious stuff. You know, people have done for thousands of years to try to understand the, the historical meaning, the, the grammatical meaning. And, you know, they tried to make connections throughout the Old Testament and New Testament and understand the context he calls that religious stuff. <laughs> religious stuff. Learning the context. Learning the Bible. Oh, that's just religious stuff. This stuff false teachers do. Wow. See, be careful. Be careful with people like this when, you know, they, they can't prove their point. They just go to these passages to accuse you. They just accuse you of, of sin. For trying to understand God's word better. And then having, guess what? shocker alert biblical grammatical theological reasons why they don't agree with you and can prove it <laughs> false teachers is learning hebrew and hebrew and greek well i mean they do but the point is he just accused you because you are well studied he accused you of being religious they just i'm the top scholar but they don't know the truth you know all this Bible, but you don't know the truth. You've done all this studying. You've done all these videos. You've been doing it for years, but you still don't know the truth. So you have a form of godliness. You say you're a Christian. You say you believe, but deny the power from such turn away. It's warning you, hey, watch out for these people. Why? Because it's an anti- The power isn't talking about speaking in tongues, Marcus Rogers. It's talking about salvation. Just do, just read the context. I mean, some contextual reading would really help you. Our spirit, what power? Acts 1 8 says, You shall receive power. It says, Somebody cue the Shaolin. Hey, ask and you shall receive. Hey, Marcus Rogers is a. Hey, Marcus Rogers. Hey. Let's keep going. <laughs> after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, once the Holy Ghost, once I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost, I receive power. So when people tell, oh, you, you don't need to receive the Holy Ghost like they did in the Bible. No one's arguing that. What they're actually arguing and objecting to is what you call the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, you guys want to distinguish that between the indwelling of the Spirit. The There's so many distinctions of, of the Spirit in, you know, they, they got so many distinctions. Like I said, I used to be a charismatic. I know. Baptism is the difference, difference between the indwelling of the Spirit and being in the Spirit. All these things are different. What we're objecting to is that if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what we're objecting to. That's what we're objecting to. But like I say, charismatic, they, they have to presuppose this verse means this. They have to presuppose it. 
All these examples are just, no, 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 no. All you got to do is believe and you've got the power. That's not what the Bible says. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It literally says that. No one, see, he, he thinks because he's re read a verse where it talks about speaking of tongues, he's proved his point. He's pro he thought he's proved his point. But no, that's, just because you read a Bible verse on speaking in tongues doesn't mean it agrees with the conclusions you made and inserted into the text. <laughs> Theological pancake. I always flip-flop it. I like it. <laughs> it doesn't say, oh, just pray the sinner's prayer and you got the power. After the Notice he conflates believing in God with the sinner's prayer. It's not the same thing. Not the same thing. Because when the Bible uses belief, it's not talking about the sinner's prayer. So what are you talking about? The Holy Ghost has come upon you. What happened when the Holy Ghost came upon people? Every example here in the Bible. Every example. It's right there. We just read it. Every single. There's no example in the Bible where uh, when the church uh, was established in the book of Acts that you can show me where somebody said a sinner's prayer and they received the power. Again, con uh, red herring. Red hearing every place where somebody got baptized in the holy ghost the evidence was there it's for everybody peter says the promise is under you and to your children and all that are far now people who can't see what i'm saying is because they don't want to see because they want to be right prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to what? boast about them what is this what is this? Yemen. the people of yemen has come Ugh. you see how all of this flows together and there's no there's no contradicting you you've contradicted your yourself and the bible numerous times in this video be born of the water and of the spirit peter says be born of the water and the spirit paul says be born of the water and of the spirit and water is not necessarily water baptism and spirit isn't speaking in tongues you could be spirit filled and not have not ever even like even if you're charismatic okay you have to admit you can be saved have the spirit without speaking in tongues See, these guys think just because they're blah, 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 yabba, shabba, doo, scooby, doo, that they're speaking, in, that they have the spirit. You're preaching all that false doctrine, hearing all from God. <laughs> but you got the spirit. Yeah, sure. Nowhere is anybody leading anybody or oh, just pray this prayer, say you believe and you're good to go. Then there's literally a warning in Timothy. Hey, watch out for people that are denying the power that you know. You Timothy, well, Paul, you know, the passage in Timothy isn't talking about those who say, we don't speak in tongues. See, go to his, go to every passage Marcus Rogers go to, you need, uh, pre, brings up, you need to actually go to to make sure it's the point. Because that's not even the passage. <laughs> he, so he thinks every time the word power is used, it's talking about speaking in tongues. So bad. You don't need that. The tongues, you, you don't need that. How could God be fair if he only gave some people the ability to pray in the spirit directly? And then it says building up your most holy faith. How would that be fair? How would he? Be so he's, how could it be fair if God only gave the gift of tongues to some people? Well, let's, let's actually use his argument to other things. Well, how could be God be fair if he only made some people apostles? How could God be fair if he only made some people prophets? How could God be fair if only some people wrote scripture? How could God be fair if there's only one Messiah? How, you know, don't 
challenge God because you have a false interpretation of scripture. God can be, God is fair. He doesn't have to give everybody the gift he gives. If he only gives it to one person, he's able to. If he gives it to 10 people, he's able. See, this is why I'm reformed. God doesn't have to save anybody. So guess what? The people he gives it to is solely based on his mercy and grace. It's not all or none. God doesn't have to give something to everyone to be fair. That's not what fairness is. This is that's a that's a Marxist definition of fairness, maybe. That's equity, maybe. But not fairness. If God was fair, we'd all be in hell. But let's he just if he only gives some people that ability to have that intimacy and have that power and that intercession. Alright? So, you know, like I said though, if you don't agree, pray about it. Now, if this video you felt something making you angry or mad, you gotta ask yourself why is that? Because it could because you're preaching heresy. <laughs> That's why. Yes, uh, I think most people, I, I think I think all people watching this video who knows the Bible should be furious about this. Because you're preaching false doctrine. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, what do you do? Yeah, it should stir you up a little inside. Yeah, absolutely. Could be pride. I'm not preaching or teaching nothing. Oh, if you disagree with me, if you disagree with this teaching, you're prideful. <laughs> like I said, add that on the list of Marcus Rogers insults, right? You're prideful, you're a Pharisee, you're religious, what is gummy bear Christianity? All these things, if you disagree with what I'm saying. But guess what? I was the one willing to talk it out with you. Maybe it was pride that you sent your security team to get me out, but that's another story for another day. Nothing that is not biblical. I'm telling you the same thing. Be born of the water and of the spirit, or you will not enter into the kingdom. Okay, but what you mean by that is much different than what the Bible authors use meant. So, again. And from these biblical examples, and nobody can give no other one, every time someone was born of the water spirit, this was the pattern that was followed. Death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. Death, I repent, and I want to die to the old man. Burial, like Jesus Christ, I go down in the water resurrection i'm filled with the spirit death burial resurrection this is the gospel that's actually the problem i have with what he just said because what he was saying is water baptism is the gospel now if you wanted to make an argument for spiritual baptism yeah yeah i think i might have missed something but uh yeah, feel free to end me if you have some uh, disagreements about this. But uh, <laughs> the, here, let, let me explain what baptism points to. Because he's right, that's what it points to. But he, he gets the wrong conclusion that water baptism is the gospel. I think that's what he was arguing. If he was wrong, I apologize. But that sounds like what he was saying. Water baptism is not the gospel. What baptism points to spiritually is the gospel. Because guess what? When you get baptized, yes, you're dying to yourself. You're saying it's no longer my life. Christ who lives in me. Right? You go down, saying the old man is done. He's dead. A new man is risen. Just like the, just what points to the resurrection. Just what points to what Christ, I mean, Romans 6 points to that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like this. Yeah, he says, I'm not saying anybody is going to hell, right? He says that in the beginning, but then says, you must be baptized to be saved. Those are two contradictions. <laughs> He's still saying if you're if you're not baptized, you're not saved and going to hell. You, bro, you're exactly right. I when I when I listened to this, I said, Wow. <laughs> wow. That's uh <laughs> you literally said the opposite of what you said in the first few seconds of the video. Confession is just the first step. Even the devil's believe first step. in symbol. How how many how many steps is this? It's like the like the what's the wall in uh in China they have? <laughs> is it, how, that many steps? How many how many steps to this salvation is there? We would like to know. It's kind of necessary uh, to to know if we're gonna get saved. So all these people in Hollywood who are thanking Jesus and say, "Yeah, I believe," that doesn't mean they're saved. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Because if they had the power, if they had been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're going to see changed behavior. You're going to see power. Now, here's the other element. There's a lot of people who know the Bible and they're excellent. You know, they, they can, they got it, you know, they can teach it. They can, but that doesn't mean that they have the anointing. That doesn't mean that they have the Holy Ghost. They just know the Bible. Every Christian, every born again believer has the Holy Spirit and has the anointing of Christ. Now, Pentecostals want to put certain people, <laughs> people, Pentecostals want to put certain people in a, in a special class, right? These are the anointed people, right? They usually in like gospel music. <laughs> oh, they're anointed. Well, okay. Yeah, they're a Christian. <laughs> um, they want to put certain people in a special class of Oh, they're anointed. You, you, you're not anointed yet. Yeah, yeah. You don't speak in tongues. You don't, you don't heal the, heal the sick, right? This is what Pentecostals do, and they, they, they actually separate certain people in the body of Christ because of this. Every Christian is anointed. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. I, I had this verse pulled up on my other, other laptop, but let me prove it here. Because I, I used to think the same thing. I used to think the same. Like I said, I was I was discipled in in charismatic teachings. The charismatic teachings, right? First um, John two twenty seven says, "But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches about everything and is true and is in no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him." So, without going too deep into this verse. Essentially, what John is talking about is regeneration. If you have been uh, anointed, you have been regenerated. They're not separate things, separated things in the sense of you can have one without the other. Yeah, this 12 step program. <laughs> That's right. Marcus Rogers, 12 step program, $5.99. Don't buy, please. Uh, so, yes, you cannot have regeneration without the anointing. Right? First John 2.20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. You have you all have knowledge. Sorry, <laughs> not, not, not all knowledge, but you all have knowledge. Notice John is talking to all Christians and he's saying they have not. Notice he doesn't say separate people have this anointing that other people don't have. Right. This is this is all over the New Testament speaking about the anointing of God. Which all believers have. Right. God is anointing us. When, you know, it's not the it's not the anointing which you do by speaking in tongues or, you know, whatever charismatic gospel singers want to want to articulate it to, right? 
Reform believes in a special cl class called the elect. <laughs> Funny trying to make that comparison. But notice, here, here's the difference. Tongues, he believes that's something they do. So guess what? He's the reason why he's in that special class. If you want to even call this a special class, we don't believe it's something we do. It's something God does. So nice try, but it didn't work. And God's word will never return into them void. So yes, when they preach and teach, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get something because it's God's word. His word can't return unto him void. All right. There's a difference between the spirit being a... His word can't return to him void. So why did uh, Trump lose the election the second time? Because you said you got that from God. But hey, 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 I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, <laughs> pressure too hard. Gummy bear Christianity. Upon you and in you. So people go to church and they say, oh, I felt something. And the Old Testament, the spirit would come upon them. That is not the means of how they know the spirit is on you. Ooh, I feel something. Maybe there's a draft in the room. I, I don't know. You turn the AC up a little. That's not the spirit of God. See, he, he's talking about misusing. Guess I, I, like I know, I, I have been in charismatic circles. I know how it operates. It is a largely uh, existential movement. What do I mean by that? It's an experiential movement. Right? We just want to feel the move of God. No studying. Right. No, no, no asking ourselves, is this biblical? No way. Don't worry about that question. <laughs> you seen the little meme where it's like all the people giving like uh, examples for like how to grow the business. And people are like, you know, we should do more ads. We should do et cetera. And the guy's like, we should teach what the Bible teaches. <laughs> it gets thrown out the window. That's charismatic movement for you. It's all how we can grow the church and, uh, you know experience these things it's all experiential that's how you you want to know how someone asks how do you know then you want to know how the spirit of god lives you does it produce the thing the bible says holiness you, you know you, you know that's never key to charismatic movements the holiness of god and the believer I, i've never heard that in the in, in, when i was in charismatic circles but it's, hey, if you can shout loud, you can sing, if you can you can do this cartwheel down the aisle, you, you're anointed. That's the spirit. <laughs> never never equated in the Bible. What, is, what does the Bible say about the fruit of the spirit? Notice it's fruit. Not fruit. That's a larger lesson for another day. But that's how you know if you have the spirit. Examine yourself to see if these things are in you. It came upon Samson, he ripped down the gate. It came upon Elijah, it came upon Gideon. But that's not the same as the New Testament. It's being in you. You're being filled with it. And we see what the evidence was. Now, like I said, I'm not saying... Yes, the evidence is holiness, not speaking tongues. Sending nobody to hell. Bro, you just said if they don't get, if they don't get back to hell, follow... Marcus Artis, if people don't follow the steps, will they go to heaven or hell? <laughs> if you don't like what I'm saying if you don't agree it's okay I love you I bless you in the name of Jesus all I ask you to do is simply pray about it that's it okay love you guys be blessed have a wonderful day in Jesus name go to www.marcusrogersministries.org if you want to support uh, what we are trying to do here in <laughs> oh man why is the Francis Chan coming up next uh <laughs>
Yeah, so there we go. That's Marcus Rogers for you. That's Marcus Rogers for you. Uh, manipulating, misusing text. Um, but yeah, there, there it is. His, his, his. He, he, he admits salvation is by, by works. I mean, you got a lot of steps to do, so you better get busy. I mean, I, I don't know how people are instantly saved. Um, you know, if what Marcus saying, Marcus Rogers is saying is true, right? <laughs> if Marcus Rogers is saying is true then it takes at least a few hours for for you to get saved, right? Because, uh, you know, you, you confess, good, good good first step. Then I guess you got to learn how to speak in tongues some way. Then you got to find someone to baptize you. you gotta, then you got to find pool or some, some water. That could take hours, days, weeks. <laughs> no. When God saves you, it can instantly be the case. That's what John 3 is talking about. <sighs> Anyways, what do I know? You know, I'm just one of those, you know, what, what what do you call me? Religious people who like context and the deeper meaning, you know, understanding, you know, maybe the Greek or the Hebrew, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I care about things like exegesis and, you know, hermeneutics, proper context, you know, those are religious people. Hey, if you didn't know you were religious, <laughs> which I don't mind being called religious, right? Everybody's religious. Everybody's religious. But he means it as an insult, right? He means it as an insult. But, but yeah, this is why I tell people, hey, people always ask. Because I remember uh, a few months, people were saying, he doesn't teach worst-baked salvation. He doesn't teach, um, you know, what do you call it? You need to be have, speaking tongues or be baptized to be saved. Well, here you go, folks. Here it is. Yeah, so what happens if you get hit on by a car on the way to your baptism? Can you be saved, Marcus Rogers? Or are you going to change your formula? You're going to erase some steps. You see, this is the problem with your view. Just the problem with your view, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, you're a Pharisee for being a Berean. He, he wouldn't have liked the Bereans. Someone says, you need to be careful of speaking on a man of God. I agree. And I am careful. But Marcus Rogers is not a man of God. You're not a man of God when you, when you distort the gospel. You are a Pharisee. There you go. Marcus Rogers clone. Marcus Rogers clone. <laughs> is, is this Marcus Rogers? <laughs> Repent for what? Repent for what? Yes, there you go. So so what happens when we critique a person? On what basis is Marcus a man of... Man of exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so... You disagree with Marcus Rogers? You're a Pharisee. You're you're you you you're playing with fire. <laughs> Marcus Rogers critiquing Marcus Rogers means you're playing with fire. These these people are idolaters. These people are idolaters. You know. So how does he believe the Old Testament prophets went to heaven? Well, he clearly said in the Old Testament they were saved by bulls and goats, the blood of bulls and goats. They said this guy doesn't know the Bible. And this is of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Warning, the flock is of the Spirit of God. But accusing people of doing this for views and accusing me of motivations is not. It's not. It's not about him. I've told you before, this is not safe. <laughs> well, I, 
I get my keys from scripture, not you, uh, with all respect. Like I said, if you'd like to have a conversation and de- defend, actually defend Marcus Rogers' heresy, then we can do that. But look, you would have you would have not liked Apostle Paul. You know why? He always warned about false teachers. You would have said he's not of God. Imagine that. You know, Apostle Paul, he had a hard life, man. He had a hard life. You know, he was always being accused of being a false apostle. All these things. You know. He he, he was accused of a lot. But one thing you see in Paul's letters is the love. Why do I address false teachers? In hopes that those with itching ears will come out of it. But let me let me let me read something to you. Matter of fact, let me share my screen. Cause let's let's uh let's uh let me let me let me show you the apostolic doctrines. The apostles' teachings, right? Uh let's see, hold on, let me let me see something here. Let's see. Acts 20, Acts 20, starting at verse 27. Paul says, for I did not shrink. Let me, let me, oh, sorry. Let me actually, uh, hold on a second. Let, let me, let me actually start even before that. Verse 26. He says, Paul says, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. Why is Paul innocent of the blood of all? He says, for I did not shrink from declaring to you. The, the the I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So Paul is innocent of the blood of all because he preached the whole Bible. He didn't he didn't right you know you know how we are today. Many people are I say we as a American church, right? We don't like to preach the we don't like to preach the whole counsel of God. Right? We want to preach all love, no wrath. All grace, no justice. Right? You got to preach it all. But notice what he says in verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves. Wow. That's a warning. When you see warnings in the Bible, you need to pay attention. Pay careful attention. And to all the flock, not only to yourself. Look, look, look. I know we're in this individualistic American westernized view where it's like, hey, mind your own business and who are you to tell me? But Paul says, Pay attention to yourself and to the body, to the flock, right? And which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he, that is God, obtained with his own blood. Listen to this. It says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in amongst you. Wow. Paul is, is uh, concerned. Paul is concerned. He's saying, I know that, hey, when I when I die, wolves gonna come in. <laughs> wolves gonna come in. Right? Trying to fleece the flock. That's what wolves do. He says, they'll come in, not sparing the flock. Right? And from among your own, own selves will arise men speaking twisted things. 
to draw away disciples after them. Guess what? That's Marcus Rogers. I'll prove that here in a second. Therefore, be alert. Be alert. Wake up. Right? Remembering that for three years, so people, why you always got to talk about false teachers? Why are you always warning the body? Just love. They're not that bad. We all got mistakes. We all sin. We all got some things wrong. Just talk about the love of God. Right? Don't you think those objections probably were said to Paul? May possibly. He says, therefore be alert. Remembering for three years, I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. So for three years, Paul was warning day and night, every day and night about these false teachers. Now, I got some work to do because I'm not on here every day and night speaking about false teachers. I need to turn it up a little bit. <laughs> I need to do two, two videos a day warning about false teachers, then I will be biblical. I, I, I'm lacking in my zeal. I'm lacking in my, my obedience to God's word. Paul says for three years, with tears, I, I, I haven't cried once on this show. He warned of false teachers for three years, every day and night. Because you know why? Paul loved the body. You should pray about it and truly speak only what the Lord says. That's why I speak God's word. That's why I speak God's word. I don't need to pray about it when I've read what God has said about the issue. You can take that Mormon doctrine down the street. God's word has spoken. I have heard it. I listen to that. I don't need another voice to come in and tell me what the Bible has already said. For three years, Paul warned against false teachers. But yet I make a video. Certain people make a video. And you always have these false teacher defenders who want to say they're being unloving. Well, according to you, Paul was way more unloving than me because he did it every day and night for three years. Who's this apparent false prophet I'm supporting? Feel free to share that. But notice, <laughs> but hold on, let me use your argument. You're religious, you're a Pharisee. Pray about him. You see, you're being, being inconsistent. Let's say I do support a false teacher, okay? Then use your, use your argument. See, that's what people will do. They'll come on a video telling me, I'm judgmental, all these things I should be doing, and they're judging me for it. The irony. You know, you guys should read some of the comments one day. Look, look at the comments probably in a few days on this video of Marx's Rajites. Will be telling me not to judge and judging me for that. Oh, my bad. I, that was the wrong person. Okay, sorry. Sorry at uh, being saved. Sorry, my bad. The comments are hypocritical so if you're going to say hey you, you you shouldn't speak out on false teachers what do you do with the apostle paul who for three years did something opposite of what you said man you man paul apostle paul should have just listened to you 
He 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 needed you around. Right? Right? You know, you speak out on a false teacher. You speak out on a wolf, right? You see a wolf attacking the sheep. Right? You see a wolf devouring those who profess to love God and you're unloving. Right? So what you're supposed to do as a Christian, apparently, is allow them, allow these false teachers, these wolves, these ungodly men, continue devouring people. That's apparently what we should do because that's more loving. You know, we have an unbiblical concept of love, right? We, we, we have a unbiblical view of that where it's just let people do whatever they want, right? That's, a, that's our version of love. Right, don't address their sin. Come on, man. They may not like it. Read the New Testament, guys. I, I, I think it said that uh, maybe two books of the New Testament don't actually address false teachers or false teachings, right? But majority of the New Testament addresses false teaching. Look, our, our 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 religion, our faith, is apologetic. It's offensive and defensive. You can't you can't want to do both. I mean, sorry, you can't want to do just one. We have to do both. We proclaim Christ, right? That's why I go out and evangelize. That's why I go out in open streets and look crazy and like a fool to tell them about the Christ who can save them. But guess what? In that ministry comes objections. And I have to deal with them. And I don't just, oh, well, don't worry about it. We have to do both. So sorry for the soap opera right there, but I think that was needed to be said. Um, but yeah, man, I, I've said it before. Um, I've said it before. You know, I, I am concerned about, I'm concerned about Marcus Rogers himself. I desire him to be saved. But you're not saved with a false gospel. But I'm concerned about the thousands that support and follow his ministry. Look, I get it. You like his music. That's right. Contend, contend earnestly for the faith. And I got to put that. You got to put that earnestly in there. <laughs> earnestly for the faith. All right. We have to contend. I get it. You know, we, we have to be we have to contend for the faith without being contentious. I get it. I understand. And I hope that I do model, uh, you know, if I was to have a uh, you know, conversation with people I disagree with, I try to model that. I, I'm not perfect, right? I, I fail. And where I, when I do, I have to repent. Right? So it's deeper than like, oh, I'm just saying Marcus Rogers has a sin issue. No, he is, he is teaching a damnable doctrines, a false gospel. Yeah, Paul called out two names. He Paul calls out names, man. <laughs> he called out names. Like I said, man, if you if you don't like what I'm doing, you would you you would Paul's ministry would really really agitate you. Really agitate you. Like I said, I, I don't I don't go hard enough. <laughs> my, my brother Apostle Paul, man, he was he didn't play. He didn't play. But yet you can see the compassion. Like, man, Apostle Paul would have been a, a friend you want in your corner. 
because he don't play games, but he's still tenderly and, and compassionate. Right? I, I, I hope to be both. Hope to be both. Strive for that. Strive for it. But yeah, that's that's the video for today. Tomorrow, tomorrow night. Make sure to tune in because speaking of false teachers, <laughs> see, I'm growing in my godliness, going day and night. Today I went to the day, tomorrow I'm going at night. <laughs> 7 p.m. Central, I'll be doing a video on Michael Todd, yes, where Michael Todd says that the Holy Spirit is greater than Jesus and the Father. He calls the Spirit an upgrade. It's the 3.0 version. Now, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but you're not going to you're not going to want to miss. You're not going to want to miss that 7 p.m. Central. He 7 p.m. Central. Tune in. It'll be a good video. If you've been liking some of the stuff I've been doing on Michael Todd, then that probably will be the most. Uh, uh, well, what's the term? Uh, wild video. You think other stuff he said was wild, but this one's actually wild. It's going to be more wild, so make sure to tune in. Please do lives after 5 p.m. Eastern. So, well, tomorrow, yeah, five, tomorrow will be after 5, 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern, Eastern Standard Time. So that's when you want to be in there. So, uh, yeah, so make sure to tune in, all right? Tune in tomorrow for that. Man, I've enjoyed uh, this video. Enjoyed you all being in here, even though... It's hard to watch while working. Okay, tomorrow I got you. I got you. Uh, I got you tomorrow. So make sure you tune in then. You bet. You bet. You know what? Of all people, I better see you there then. You, if I don't see you, we're gonna have some problems. <laughs> no, but uh, thank you all for watching, man. It's been great. It's it's encouraging to me that so many people care about doctrine. They're concerned about theology and right living, right? Not just choosing one over the other. So. With that said, man, enjoy the rest of your day. Hope you have a good one. Till the next time. Y'all know how we do it here at All Things Theology. I'm your host, K-Dub. Grace and peace. Grace and peace, y'all. Grace and peace, y'all. Till the next time. Grace and peace.